Hey, this is Jason McLean, author and illustrator of Metroplex Monsters, and you're listening to Bigfoot Club Podcast. Hey everybody, Robert Jesse Dominguez, Bigfoot Club, Season 4, Episode 5. It's just me and Steven today. Steven, say hello. Hello. How's it going, man? It's going good. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been a, uh, I feel like it's been a month. Since, you know, since the last show? Yeah, since the last show. No, but it feels like a month, but it's, it's been two weeks, right? Yeah, like, okay, like two right. weeks or something like that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure on that. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Pretty darn good. I've been uh, I've been walking better a little bit. You know, I got I got some. You know, last time we were together, I bought some new shoes. I've been walking better mm-hmm. and like uh, I got the Fitbit. You got me and mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing like ten thousand steps a day, and it's really really nice. So I'm really really happy. Yeah, I need I need a. Blair's getting on to me about that. I was like, I bought you that, and you didn't even use it. And, uh, <laughs> I said, well, it's being used now. You know? um, but, yeah, I, I need to get, like, some sort of eye watch or something like that. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good exercise, and I've, I've been exercising pretty good, so I'm pretty happy. Um, I will say that uh, Juan's not in today. Uh, I think he's running a little bit late, but uh, if he shows up, he shows up, and if he doesn't, and he doesn't, then uh-huh. we're going we're gonna to move on. Um, I'm really excited today. We got it. We have an interesting guest today. I'm really, really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you excited? I am, uh, especially whatever he was giving us a little uh, t- uh, appetizer. What, <laughs> yeah. uh, what he did on the on my earlier life. Then yeah, yeah, I'm all for it. I love music. So, okay, uh, our guest today is Carter Bouchard. He's he's been an investigator for the BFRO for the last 12 years. Originally from Texas and currently lives in Missouri. He has nearly a hundred reports published by the BFRO website. And he's interviewed over 350 witnesses and counting. He's an experienced outdoorsman, trained in, as an investigator for MUFON. Wow. Wow. Carter, hey. Yes. Nice nice to have you on. I really, really appreciate you coming on. I, I think you're actually the very first BFRO person we've actually had on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. We talked off like we talked off like before, like a couple of weeks ago. We talked, and um, I was telling you that I, I actually tried to be on like uh, I applied to be on the B, uh, the BFRO in like 1999, and I was not successful. Uh, and like we, we were talking on the phone, uh, so it was just something that like you know, I, I don't have any bad will toward the BFRO. I just you know I, I think it was kind of good that I didn't join that group. So, it was, but. Uh, but I hear good things about that group. It, 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 it's okay. You know, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a double-edged sword uh, for me uh, because, you know, it is uh, the world's largest database mm-hmm. of sightings. But uh, the reports are, uh, they're not always accurate. You know, they, they sanitize some of the reports and... Uh, take key data out of reports and I've been the victim of that myself and it's quite quite frustrating so I've, I, I've quit doing reports for them mm-hmm. for the last year I just don't do them anymore because I don't want to be a part of uh, falsification of data you know and uh, it's uh, it's very frustrating especially for the witnesses who are telling me uh, and other investigators what happened to them when they saw these creatures and they're sanitizing some of the reports. If it gets anywhere close to paranormal, uh, quantum physics, uh, esoteric skill sets, you know, things of that nature, they take it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that ain't right. That's just, that's just not right. So, you know, in any day now, uh, when they end up hearing, you know, some of this, they may just, you know, take me out of the database, and that's fine because I, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't look myself in the mirror and be a part of that. So, uh, but the selfish part of me wants to be there, so I do have access to the reports coming in because it just takes one report to change everything. Uh, but if you're going to falsify the data, I just can't be a part of that. So. Uh, Anyway, that's that's it in a nutshell. But I've I've met a lot of great people. I've had 
like I said, about 100 reports published, I think 98 or 99. I've had about another seven or eight that were published and then unpublished for a variety of reasons. But uh, there's a lot of bizarre stuff going on out there, you know. And uh, what prompted me to write my two books is that uh, when people are talking to me, and, and they'll, you know, most of the reports, 50% of them are pretty much road crossings. I was driving down a highway as mm-hmm. Sasquatch ran across a highway. I mean, that, that is your very most typical report. But a lot of these people uh, have been sitting on things for decades because they're too traumatized. And then they start telling me things that are absolutely mind-blowing, you know, materialization, mind-speak, uh, infrasound, uh, walking through walls, walking through trees, uh, disappearing while you're staring straight at them. Uh, I mean, just stuff like that. And, you know, BFRO wants nothing to do with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I started taking these reports, and then I started, I, I did about, I don't know, about 35 or 40 podcasts last year. And people were coming through the woodwork wanting to tell me what was going on with them because nobody else would talk to them or where they were. If they did talk to somebody, they were kind of ridiculed and kind of scoffed at. I said, you don't really believe that, do you? And so I said, well, I'll talk to you and I will believe you or I'll at least listen to you. You know, know, 5% are exaggerating or hoaxing or attempting to hoax, but... For the most part, these people, and they don't know each other. They don't want anything. They are sharing things with me they haven't told anybody for fear of ridicule. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's it's gone off the charts. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy, you know. That's, but there's something going on. Right. That nobody... Go ahead, sorry. I'm, no, I just want to say that was interesting because, like, I've always, I've always been uh, through the school of, uh, whenever a sighting report comes in and if, if we thought it was it was hoaxing or uh, it was falsifying, I would still go out and do it, like, no matter what. I would, like, go out there because, like, you're not going to learn if, you know, what's real and what's not if you just don't go out there and just talk to the people and just, like, see what, what they have to offer. So I've always, be- I've always went to the school of just, you know, go out, do, you know, just, just do the uh, report, take it, and then collect the evidence if there's any and then go on from there. But, uh, yeah, and, and that's what you should do. So, and and, and my whole thing is uh, is if you don't believe in the paranormal quantum physics aspect, at least consider it. Because if you're just a dumb ape in the woods guy or a woman, that only explains just so much. Then you're you're at a dead end. Mm-hmm. Now, the paranormal, uh, of course, opens many, many, many doors. But, and this is my one of my go-to phrases, but when you're born, the moment you exit the birth canal, mm-hmm. you are told how the world is. You're educated by the teachers. They're handed a book. They teach you. Uh, religion teaches you everything. You're taught how everything is. So by the time you're zero to 22 years old, you've been pretty much brainwashed and hypnotized by to, to believe the world is a certain way. Then when you see things that you cannot explain, you blow them off or explain them away as, well, that must have been a, uh, a guy in a ghillie suit. That must have been a deer uh, or a bear walking on its hind legs or uh, must have been a, a bad taco I had for lunch or something. Or a swamp you know, gas. You're going to talk your way out of it. Yeah. And, and, and so that stuff gets swept under the rug. But when you start looking into this and are, are seriously curious about the way the world is, and I'm talking about everything, you know, evolution, uh, UFOs, Sasquatch, you know, anything paranormal, cryptids, uh you have to question that if you see something because you see it and you know you're not a crazy person you see it that's your reality nobody can take that away from you and you have to stand your ground and believe it and question it and try to find out well what is another explanation other than what they told me when I was you know a baby mm-hmm. and so th- that's how I've uh, 
come to where I'm at now is that, you know, the government knows about Sasquatch. They just aren't telling us because, you know, if it was just a dumb ape in the woods, why would you hide it? People are discovering new uh, species, new species of trees, plants, fish, animals, weekly, monthly. It, it, it hits the news and you don't even think about it. You know, many people don't even pay attention. Well, they discovered another uh, a gecko living in the uh, Philippines and it's in a different family, so it's a new species. Well, you, you know, that happens all the time. So, but there's something about Sasquatch they don't want us to know because I think it, it goes f- much further than a flesh and blood ape. Right. Uh, I believe they can exist, obviously, in, in our in our plane. But if there's other dimensions, if they can change their vibrational frequency, if they can do a lot of things that people are reporting, uh, then there's something going on. And I know they know, and they are just lying to us until they can't lie anymore. Just like the UFOs, they lied to us for about the UFOs for what 80, 90 years. If you go back to the 40s. Uh, and so there's no such thing. It's swamp gas. It's uh, you're looking at uh, the uh, lights of the uh, earth reflecting off the ducks as they fly overhead and all that crap. Right. You know, but you know, the Tic Tac videos came up, and now because well, okay, yeah, we, we we knew about this. We knew we knew it all along. We just we've been lying. We we just couldn't tell you. We didn't want to release it, and so so they've been lying about that. And because they just ran out of lies, they ran out of time. You know, people are starting to get smart and hip. It's going to be the same with Sasquatch. I just hope it happens while I'm still alive, you know, because I want to see it and see the egg on their face. You know, there's something going on. There, there really is absolutely something going on with these, with these beings. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of anyway. Right. Uh, the, your first book, uh, Sasquatch, the Evidence uh, of a, a Enigma, that came out in 2021, right? And yes. Sasquatch the Enigma Part 2 came out in February of 2022, uh, which is this year, right? Or it's yep. coming out. So was that was that just one book and you just split it up into, into two? or? No, it's actually four books. The Sasquatch okay. Evidence of an Enigma uh, Part 1 uh, was, I, I put it out, I think, in 2020 right when COVID hit. Okay, I'm sorry. And then I did, I added about another 50 pages to that book because it was doing well. I added a second edition. I added a couple of reports and some other updates on a lot of things that are in the book. And then during that period when that book came out, I started getting calls from people uh, uh, hearing me on podcasts. Mm -hmm. And they say, I... You know, no one will talk to me. When they do, they just laugh and scoff at me. Can, can I want to tell you what happened? And so I started compiling all these reports, and it just blows your mind some of the things that these people are experiencing. And some of them are just traumatized. They've been traumatized for decades. They've sat on it and hadn't said anything to anybody. You know, uh, you know, their spouses won't even talk to them. They think they're crazy. They're coworkers. The people you should be uh, being supported uh, are the ones that are making you feel the worst. And so I, I did the second book, and it is probably 80% paranormal quantum physics quantum related type things you cannot explain with your meat and potatoes done ape in the woods and that's where the second book came out and I had signed a book deal with Beyond the Fray Publishing and my book was about 147 pages and I was interviewing a guy who lives up in Canada and he was telling me he heard me on a podcast and called me and the stuff he was telling me was just just blowing my mind. I had not heard literally some of the things he was telling me. Well, it was very painful for him to relive all this. So he had to take a break. I said, listen, I need to take a break. I, I'm, I'm reliving this stuff. It, it gave me horrible time as a kid growing up. And uh, so I, I'll call you back here in about a week or two. Well, three months later, he still hadn't called me and I had to release the book. Uh, because he was still just trying to come to grips with, you know, reliving all this stuff. So when he finally got back in touch, I'd already released the first edition of the second book. I added 110 pages to the second book, and most of that was just him. 
and he's been going through this stuff for 50, 60 years. Well, say that, he's 66, so he's been going through it for about 45 to 50 years that he can remember. That's and yeah, I, that's like you got to be kidding me. Now, I don't know if you've heard of the book uh, Fifty Years with Bigfoot by Mary Green. I, I yeah, actually, I've heard of it, but I, I have not read that. Yeah, it's it, well, it's out of print. It's very very hard to find. I've got one. I got it's it's autographed, but uh, it's fifty. It's the Tennessee Chronicles is another word for it. But they this woman and her grandpa they had sasquatches they interacted with every day. Every week, every month, they had names, they had clans. Some of them lived in their basement, uh, and it's crazy. Now, they had a lot more activity than my guy did uh, because he lived in the bush in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and there was times where things were going on, and he didn't even realize what was going on because uh, he was too busy just living his life, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't getting the clues at the moment. Uh, but when he finally did, uh, his whole world went upside down. He, he and his dad had a lot of experiences. His mom had a few. She really didn't want to talk about it and really didn't want to admit him. Uh, they got divorced early on. Uh, but uh, he and his dad had a lot of stuff going on. It, it's just, it, it's hard to even tell you where to start <laughs> with some of the stuff that was going on with him. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... That's some stuff like I, whenever I was with the TBRC, we were, we, you know, I was taught that it was like flesh and blood. I know we talked about this prior, like a couple of weeks ago, and uh, mm-hmm. it was flesh and blood. And anybody that came to us that talked about, you know, portals or, uh, you know, Bigfoot stepping through a wormhole or something like that, we just kind of discounted it and just like didn't pay attention to it but as yep. i as i left that group and i started doing like uh stuff on my own and started talking to more and more people i got more and more stories that i i just couldn't put my finger on and i was kind of almost like i'm kind of like mirroring the kind of the same kind of path that, that that you've gone a little bit um and i've i've talked to more people and i i, I i'm always willing to talk to anybody about bigfoot uh, about their experiences because I, I always consider myself like a, a conduit or at least like a, a avenue for somebody because like for every person that I've talked to like maybe five people there's probably like 20 more people that I didn't get a chance to talk to or anything like that but so I, I think it's very refreshing to hear your story and your books I, I haven't had an opportunity to buy your books yet but I will and I, and I will read these because uh, it, it's almost like the same kind of uh, same kind of avenue that I I, I kind of you know subscribe to and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it, it's very intriguing, you know. And uh, you know, Ron Moorhead had, had uh, done commentary on my first book. Wow. Uh, and uh, so I had Ron, uh, you know, chime in on several of the chapters and some of his opinions on some of my reports. That is awesome. <laughs> wow. You know. And uh, actually, I interviewed Ron on another uh, short-lived. Uh, I was on another. Uh, Podcast, mm-hmm. and I was actually a co-host, uh, but I left that after uh, due to uh, we'll just call it creative differences. But right. uh, we did a, an entire two-hour interview with Ron one night, and you know he's the man. He if is. you want to get into the quantum aspects, I can I understand it to a degree. I can explain it to a degree. Uh, but at some point, you know, uh, I, I'm just a dirty old hippie, uh, former musician, now now a, a Sasquatch researcher, and so I, I get it. But it's sometimes it's hard to explain. But when you read that, it explains so much about what you have going on, where you may not be able to actually explain it, but it explains better than the flesh and blood uh, route. Mm-hmm. Uh, as to what's going on. People, when I was doing the BFRO thing, uh, people would, you know, call me or I'd call them, I'd get the report, you know, what you do is you you look up the reports, you assign a report to you and you call them and talk to them and and interview them and then you uh, add to their report and get all the data and facts and then you, you know, type it up and send it in. Well, many, many times after I interviewed them, they would say, well, now, uh, I, I want to tell you something you're not going to believe. 
this is after I've already interviewed him, so I'm saying, okay, so you just told me you saw a Sasquatch, a creature that does not exist, and you're going to tell me something that I won't believe? Bring it. <laughs> Let's hear it. And that's where the quantum bizarre stuff came in, you know, where they were hearing a voice in their head. Uh, don't come near me. Don't come any closer. Leave us alone. Uh, or they would see them walk across a road, walk into a tree, and disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing, you know. And that happened more and more and more. And as the word got out uh, that, you know, I was a guy you could talk to, and I'm not going to laugh at you because I, I believe you. And I believe these things happen to you. Now, I will say there are people that try to yank your chain, and I'm, I'm pretty good at weeding those people out, mm-hmm. uh, knock on wood. Uh, but I, I can, you know, you can interview people four or five different ways. You can ask them the same question four or five different ways, and they never know it. And, you know, then you can glean from those responses if they're yanking your chain or not, you know. Um, because hoaxers will just say yes to pretty much anything once they've got you hooked. You know, but somebody who's going through these things religiously and truthfully, like my guy in Canada, he would correct me on just minutia, as a lot of people do. No, 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 you got that wrong. It was uh, four inches. It wasn't, uh, wasn't 12 inches. It was four inches. Or little things. They would correct you on just little things. Some things I got wrong, and some things I got wrong on purpose, just to see. Mm-hmm how they're going to answer specific questions. Well, you told me this, I'll ask that same question, and they'll answer it a little differently. So, and human nature being what it is, of course, you know, you may forget something and make a mistake here and there. But as a rule, uh, you know, uh, hoaxers will just pretty much say yes to anything because once they got you, you know, they think you can, they can just string it along. So, but uh, that's how I ended up with uh, all of these People, all these reports, bless their hearts. I mean, some of them were just devastated, you know, and it shook them to their core. You know, if you're like a deeply religious person and you believe a certain way and, you know, and a certain, you know, path that, you know, God laid out for humanity, and all of a sudden these other things are popping in, it, it, screws up your whole view of life. I mean, because you're so, you're devout and you live your life a certain way and all of a sudden these things that you may have deemed as evil or just not right are suddenly happening to you and everybody else around you and you, you can't explain it, you know, from a moral, moral or philosophical point of view. And so you try to come to, to terms with some of this stuff. And I'm talking, you know, just bizarre stuff you can you can probably just make something up and i probably got a report that kind of goes along with it you know uh so i I did i did a bigfoot report with somebody in tennessee and she was telling me and i've said this on my on my own podcast before she was telling me that this bigfoot was coming down uh to she was coming down the mountain to have sex with her and i said how did you know it wanted to have sex with you. And she said his penis was glowing whenever he came down the mountain. And she told me that. And I was like, and I asked Luke Gross, which is my mentor, I asked him, is, is that possible? And he says, well, you know, there's some phosphorescent mushrooms and, you know, a Bigfoot could get his hands on it and then, you know, touch himself. And, yeah, it could happen. And so I've had stuff like that. And I've had, like, another side of report uh, in Conroe, Texas, of a Bigfoot crossing the freeway with a trench coat on. And I go, are you sure? And they go, yeah. So I've had some stuff like that. So I've had some, some pretty strange ones like, like you know, myself. And uh, it's just some stuff that I just had to, okay, let me just circle around again and just ask, like, the same questions, you know, uh, see if they come out with the same answers. And, yeah, they sure did. But, yeah, some some, yeah. Stra- some strange stuff I, I've had. So Yeah, no, I did a uh... – a paranormal conference uh, last year, and I'm doing it again this year. And a lady came up to me and was telling me that she saw one uh, here in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, long story short, it was wearing a suit and a white shirt and a tie. And she pulled up 
to a, an intersection. I know exactly where this is. It's not that far from me. Uh-huh. And as she was pulling up to the intersection, the, there was a, a four lanes, so two lanes one way, two lanes the other way, and there was a guy stopped on the, on the left of her. And she was pulling up. She could see this guy freaking out in his car. It looked like he was swatting flies. He was screaming, yelling. Uh, she, she couldn't hear him, but she could see all this. And right. as she got up close to him, uh, and pulled up almost to where the light was. Uh, she could see he was just, his eyes were bulging out. He was crying, sobbing, and he was like trying to get out of his car and he couldn't because I think he was freaking out so bad. Mm-hmm. And then as she looked in front of the car because he kept looking at the front, she saw a Sasquatch walking on all fours. That's on her hands and feet. They walk on their hands and feet, not hands and knees, but hands and feet, walking across the intersection. She saw it, and she had no belief system and very little knowledge of Sasquatch. And she saw this, and and when it passed her car, it stood up and walked off into the woods. And she described it as a Sasquatch, a gorilla. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do you do with that? Is she jacking with me? But she described this guy. And then when the light turned, she left. And he was still sitting there. And the car was rocking back and forth. That's how bad he was freaking out and shaking the car inside. And he could not get out of the car or maybe he was trying to and didn't want to it was just a bizarre you know i've had reports of him wearing clown outfits on a native uh, american reservation in oklahoma mm. what do you, you are people thinking you're that gullible or are they really seeing that right yeah you, 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 some of you know you have to kind of take with a grain of salt which these i do uh, but the woman came up to me at this conference and was just sincere as, and she said please hear me out I want to tell you this and she was just like anybody you'd run into on the street she just looked like and talked like anybody else so what do you do with all that you know uh, it, it's really hard to discount it because if you just talk to a couple other two or three other people with some similar stuff they're all a little bit different but they're all kind of the, the same report, they're seeing something. You can tell they're embarrassed to be telling you this, but they're telling it to you anyway because they they need a voice. They need someone to listen and listen will hear them out. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Do you, ever, you know? do you ever do you ever get any of these people who have given you these sighting reports? Continue like you continue to talk to them or reach out to them, say, "Hey, how's it going? Just want to check on you." Do you, yeah. Do you do you still do that? Okay. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I've got. Uh, <clears throat> I've got three habituation witnesses uh, that I monitor regularly. In other words, they've got these, you know, Sasquatch living on their property and they interact with them on a, uh, I'll say, weekly or monthly basis. Uh, and, you know, I get updates and reports. I got some killer photos. If you haven't got those books, I guarantee you one of them has got the best photo of a hand you've ever seen. Uh, to this day, probably, you have not seen a better handprint. It's a hand on a trail cam. It walked right in front of the trail cam and got a awesome photo of the hand. Just can't beat it. And this is on their property, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've got other I've got other folks that uh, I get handprints. I get mystery creatures. I got you know. Uh, yeah, I talked to uh, probably about. I'd say a dozen people I have that I speak with on a regular basis. I mean, two to five to six to ten times a year because they have stuff going on all the time. They have habituation, right. so so they're they're interacting with them, you know. And it happens so often with some of these people, they even forget. Hey, did I tell you that uh, you know Ronnie saw a Sasquatch yesterday when he was walking the dog? Uh, no, you, you forgot to tell me. 
well, yeah, we went to Walmart, uh, we went to, uh, you know, Super Clips and got a haircut and uh, went and got uh, some Mexican food. And, oh, yeah, he saw a Sasquatch this morning when he was walking the dog on the way of the, as we were leaving. You know, I mean, they just, they forget. It's such a regular occurrence. I would kill for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, because we're we're all wanting, you know, investigators, researchers. We want these interactions, and we have to go out and look for them. These people live on property with them, and they've lived there for generations. And they, yeah, oh, we see them all the time. They, they they almost think nothing of it. Yeah, that was I was going to lead to my next question was, have you ever seen one? <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen several. No daylight sightings. I've seen three at night uh, through my thermal camera, uh-huh. and the one that took me from. Uh, I always had an open mind, but the one that took me uh, from, I say, a, an ape, a physical being, was I, I was leading an expedition for BFRO 2013, Missouri, and uh, I was watching it through my thermal camera. It uh, it walked around a bend. I saw we were we were missing some people. They got lost, and so it was about 11:30 at night. And I had been scanning with my thermal, and we were having a trouble because we were down on a holler, and they, their radios weren't working, and they were lost, and we were trying to talk them back in. So I was scanning, uh, and I quit recording because I was running my batteries low. So I was just going to be scanning the property now with my camera on to see if I can see them. I saw this glow coming through. I said, okay, thank God they're here. Jesus Christ. And so it walked around a corner. It wasn't them. It was a Sasquatch. And it took one step. It took two steps. On the second step, boom, it just disappeared. The heat signature just was a puff of smoke, and it just disappeared. It looked like uh, it looked like somebody blew a Sasquatch smoke ring. It was just a thin, looked like cigarette smoke outline of a Sasquatch, and then it just dissipated and was gone. Wow. And I'm going, okay, I'm not high, I'm not drunk, I'm not a crazy person. I'm not on meds. My equipment is a FLIR thermal. It's a very nice, it's great working order. It, it was not a malfunction. It just vanished. I don't think it knew we were there. And uh, it came around the corner because we were just staying static and quiet, waiting for the people that were lost to show up so we could continue. And that was, I said, okay. I'm done. I am on the paranormal side now because that crap just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, and, you know, I told a couple of the guys there, I was with a lot of very uh, ultra-conservative, very straight, there's no such thing as paranormal. They, they didn't believe that it's anything but a dumb ape in the woods. A lot of my, you know, the fellow investigators I was with, it was a BFRO expedition. And, uh, I, I said something later, but not that night because I didn't want to go through because I had a bunch of people I was responsible for. I had about 20 people that were in this group. So I wasn't going to get into that whole conversation. I wanted to keep everybody safe and, 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 and quiet, you know, and calm. So but when that happened, that was it for me. I mean, I went, okay, uh, I, I'm in a whole other ballgame here. And so <laughs> if you guys aren't with me, uh, I'll see you later, you know. And so that changes everything for you. You know, whenever you see something like that, or whatever you see, if it's a ghost, if it's a, if it's a murder, if it, whatever you see, that's your reality. You know, nobody can talk you out of it. You saw something. You know what you saw. You're not a crazy person. You're not, you know, inebriated or on drugs. That's your reality, and it'll be there forever. If it only happens once in your life. So be it. But you saw it, you happen uh, to see it, and you'll never forget it. So, uh, and once that happens, you're on your way. You're down the rabbit hole, as I say. Right. You know, you're down the rabbit hole. It's all over. Carter, you know? have, have you done any paranormal investigations at all or anything? No. Uh, no, I stick to Sasquatch. Now, I've had paranormal things happen during Sasquatch investigations, uh, I have a property I monitor uh, here in Missouri, and uh, I had uh, several trail cams there, and they had trail cams out also. 
and one of the photos we got back was a ghost. Like a, it was on a trail cam. Like it was ab- a ghost. Like an aberration, like a like a full body aberration. Or? Yeah, full body. Yeah. Wow. It was a woman wearing a nightgown, and 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 then some kind of coat over it, and because you could see where the nightgown or whatever she was wearing stopped about her knees, and then this, I would say a, a robe that she was wearing went down to about her mid calf, mm-hmm. and but you could see right through her. Now the photo, the two photos after that, are of her husband out there with a gun, looking for uh, whatever because they heard something and they've had a lot of Sasquatch activity. So it, they typically they they grab their guns and they go running out there, and uh, uh, and it was him. She was in the house. She was freaked out. Mm-hmm. So it was him and this apparition. It's clear as a bell. You, wow. It's it's unmistakable. It's awesome. It's on a trail cam. I know. I know. We talked off show uh, like like a couple of weeks ago. We talked about because uh, this. I've always been interested in this, and like I was telling you that you know because I because I do paranormal stuff. I'm I'm a part of Pentex Paranormal mm-hmm. uh, Investigations of North Texas, and I was a TBRC member for a long time, and I I did both for for a little bit, and I we were talking about infrasound and EMF. And mm-hmm. I just wanted I wanted your take on that uh, because uh, Bigfoots are considered I don't know why I yelled on that one <laughs> so but uh, bi- you know Bigfoots are considered like uh, they give off infrasound and I was talking to another person on another podcast and I was explaining uh, EMF to them how because people react differently to EMF people uh, they either get a headache or they get nauseated or they get you know uh, they hallucinate. Uh, just stuff like that. So I was explaining that to her, and she goes, "That sounds like infrasound." And so, if a Bigfoot's in the area or a heavily Bigfoot area, and they're doing infrasound, would that would that make sense to give ghosts uh, or just spirits or entities enough energy to manifest? Like like you were talking about about this one incident with the uh, the lady in the nightgown. Yeah, it, it could be because they've had several paranormal things happen on their property along with a lot of Sasquatch activity including chattering uh, you know scaring the dogs chasing the dogs uh, slapping the house that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, I'm not so sure that they can't just manifest that themselves because I've been affected with uh, infrasound once it was it was hilarious. Uh, not at the exact moment it was happening, because I had my wife with me at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were both affected by what I am quite certain was infrasound or some type of something to make me hallucinate. And, you know, uh, my wife. Uh, She's been, you know, watching me do this for a lot of years, and she'll she sees evidence and photos and reports, and she's going, "Oh, that's that's interesting. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you believe, honey. You know that that's good. You know, it's kind of patronizing, but kind of not. You know, she she believed that I believe, but she uh, and, and she is a sensitive, by the way, mm-hmm. and so she's sensitive to these kind of things, but she was just kind of patronizing me a little bit, you know. Uh, and so I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you come camping with me to one of my research areas? And uh, and you know what happens when you tell somebody, I'll show you something. Right. Well, it never happens, you yes, know. that's always the case. <laughs> you know, well, it did happen. And so where I took her, this is what's uh, ironic and uh I won't say coincidental because I don't believe in coincidental uh, activity at all in this in this field. You know, there aren't any coincidences. But uh, the the area where I saw that Sasquatch disappear on the thermal, I was leading the expedition. Mm-hmm. That became one of my research areas. I go there routinely with me and my partner, and I I say we have something happen about ninety percent of the time. There's almost always something going on there. So I took her. 
and we went we camped and I where I saw this creature come walking around the bend I had investigated the area and I ended up going to the top of this hill and that's where the group that I thought was coming to us was walking down and turned out to be a Sasquatch so mm-hmm. I, I researched that area and this became one of my areas so she and I parked my car SUV at this gate it's a big huge metal gate one of those you can't move or open because it's it's padlocked by the conservation department and it goes down about a hundred yards uh, down this ravine that's very rocky and, and gnarly you just can't drive down there uh, in fact they blocked it off because too many people were getting trapped down there on their four-wheelers so they just put a thing where you can't go there uh, so we I parked at this gate we walked down immediately as soon as we got out of the car she was freaking out she had the the heebie-jeebies the hair on the back of her neck was standing and I was getting the same feeling but I'm I'm used to it because I know this is one of their areas it's like their living room these these beings live and this is one of their areas where they they congregate and they live this is their home and so we're walking down this ravine she's freaking we're gonna go we're gonna go I believe you uh, let's go back I'm going back to the car I said no you're not no you're not let's go down here to the bottom of the hill I'll show you what I'm what I'm getting at you're really gonna see something or really feel something and she was totally freaking out I said look we don't have that far to go I shine my light the car is right up here and I shine my light the car was not there I went where's the car she goes it's right there and I, I shine a light back. No, it's not there. We, we just parked by the gate. Where to go? And I, I just instinctively shine, turned around and shine my light down at the bottom of the hill where we were heading. And there was my car at the bottom of this hill in this ravine that's is totally impenetrable. My car wouldn't even fit down there. It wouldn't even fit to go down that ravine. It was just wide enough to walk. And so I shine my light back up and back, up and back. My car is gone. I'm going, how the hell did our car get there? How did I get turned around? And suddenly it dawned on me, you guys are jacking with me. My Sasquatch are jacking with me. And I knew what was going on. I knew then what they were doing, but I had no control over it. And she was just totally losing it because every time I'd shine my light up to where the car was, it was there. As far as she was concerned, but I was looking there and it was gone. I turned, I turned and shined my light down at the bottom of the hill where the car could not possibly be, and there it was. And I would shine my light down there, and she's going, "You are out of your mind. The car is not there. It's up there." So after about two or three times, I shined the light back, and my car was back where it was. And we we did go ahead and leave, wow. but they, I was looking at my vehicle and it was the taillights I backed in so I was looking at the taillights both times and they were reflecting bright so I clearly saw them at the bottom of the hill you know as I stand here I, I they were it was there and I was trying to figure out how the hell did I get turned around how did I park my car there when you can't even get there was and I, so go ahead I'm sorry no no but I'm, and so we left but I mean to me that was just rock solid clear as a bell you are messing with me and you 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 got me you know but uh, it was it was clear and convincing to me that right there they were making me see something that could not be right was not because where I was seeing my car my wife said no it's not down there it's up there. I would shine my light back up there. No, it's it's not up there. It's down here. And what else was it? And I've I've had other instances where I've been paralyzed in my sleeping bag. I couldn't get up, and I had to get up and take a leak, and I just couldn't. And I heard a Sasquatch walking by my tent, and it was about 5:30 in the morning. This was another place entirely up in Iowa, and I couldn't move, and I wanted to get out. I, I had to take a leak. And I thought it was, at first when I heard this footsteps, I thought it was my partner who was camped about 25 yards away from me in this big open field. We just decided to camp out in the open. So I thought, well, he got up and was walking around and he went to take a leak and I thought I'd get up. Well, it's a good idea. I got to get up. It was cold. It was October. 
But I said, I want, I want to get up and go take a leak. And I heard this boom, boom, and as it got closer, it was just thunderous. It was shaking the ground. It was a Sasquatch walking by my tent, kind of in a semi-hurry. Uh-huh. And I could, but I said, oh, I got to get up. I want to get up. And I couldn't move. I couldn't move my arms. It was crazy. You know, and then when it got away, when it, when the the footsteps disappeared into the into the you know the background, and I couldn't hear them or feel them anymore. Then I could get up and get out and took a leak. And then I saw my partner, twenty five yards away. He was standing up. He's you know he just waved at me like, hey, what's going on? Did you just come walk by my tent? I said no. Did you walk by my tent? No. Okay. <laughs> so you know, I mean. And I've been around people that have been paralyzed, knocked to their knees, you know, right. uh, by debilitating something, you know. And if you know how infrasound works, right. it works a lot of different ways. That was know? I was just going to ask you do, you, do you think that incident with the car where it was, you know, misplaced in, in your memory or something like that, do you think there was several Bigfoots shooting infrasound at you? I, I don't know if it was several or just one. I don't know if it takes more than one to you know disable us puny little humans. Right. You know, uh, but you know, I was the only one seeing what wasn't there. My wife was seeing the car exactly where it was when we left it. I was seeing it at the destination, which is where I wanted to take her, which is just before the curve. Where I saw that one disappear. Right. So everybody, so, everybody reacts differently to infrasound or EMF. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's a sensitive. She she's got an EMF detector, and uh, she does uh, some ghost hunts and stuff like that. More more as a hobby. She's not like devout about it, but you know, right. Uh, she's done a couple of investigations with Chip Coffee. Uh, he comes here to Missouri to the winery here, and so she's gone to a couple things with uh, what, what's her name, Amy Bly, Amy. Uh, Benai, Renai, whatever, and Chip Coffee. Uh, she's done a couple of investigations Bernie, with Amy, that. Amy Bruni, I think is her name. Amy Bruni. I think she says it uh, Bernai, but yeah. yeah, yeah, that's her. Yeah. So she's been to a couple of those. You yeah. Know, and, and so, and she's a sensitive. She's been she's sensitive to uh, to ghosts and uh, spirits, especially. And uh, you know, so and we've got so much weird stuff going on around our house ever since about two years ago when I had an aha moment in uh, Illinois Uh, and uh, I've I've been gifted some rocks it's uh, if you read the second book the the cover on the book uh, is a tree trunk that's got five rocks on one end and one rock on the other. Yeah, that's a really long story. I don't know how much time we got here, but you know, it, it's a really long story. It's somewhat involved, but it, it it blows you away. And every time I tell that story, I, I get chills because you know it's one of those definitive moments where you know you're in the presence of something, and they are communicating with you intentionally. And in an intelligent way, it's not like they're banging, banging rocks together or hitting a tree. They're communicating by gifting and signifying that they can count and they are aware of the people in your party. And there's an awareness, a sentient, sapient awareness about them that you can't, you can't dispute, you know. Well, Carter, we're, we're going to have to have you back on for a little bit more. <laughs> so, for sure. Well, I'll, I'll come back. But um, what I what I kind of wanted to do, and like we always do this with Bigfoot Club, you know, we only, I mean, we always talk about Bigfoot. We always talk about paranormal. We talk about other stuff. But what I wanted to talk about also as well was, because um, you're originally from Dallas, right? Yep. And uh, you're also a musician, uh, I was a professional drummer uh, for about 20 years. I, I, I played in the late 60s to the oh, mid-80s, and I started younger than that. You know, I'm talking if I go back to when I was like 14 or so, I, I played drums for a living for close to 20 years. Because uh, your brother-in-law told me that you knew or open for Stevie Ray Vaughan. 
uh, I knew Stevie and I knew Jimmy and like I say we uh, we grew up and uh, I'm from Dallas and they lived in uh, Oak Cliff which is you know or yeah. South Oak Cliff mm-hmm. which is kind of the the goober uh, lesser respected area of Dallas you know <laughs> uh, they live in Oak Cliff so they're hicks you know that kind of thing yeah you know? um, but but not really but that's just you know you're in Dallas you're in Dallas, but if you're in Oak Cliff, you're, well, you're in Oak Cliff. You that, know. That's actually where where I grew up, Oak Cliff. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. they were they're in South Oak Cliff, and so uh, uh, so when I I, I finally uh, I moved down to Austin uh, because that's kind of where everything was happening, Dallas and Austin, and uh, so when we got down to Austin, uh, Stevie was starving to death. He was trying to hook up with a band to get something going. He just couldn't do it. His big brother was in the the Thunderbirds. And so uh, he would come sit in with us. Uh, He slept in a couple of bars. He slept on pool tables because he had nowhere to go at night. Sometimes a couple of times he had to sleep on pool tables and bars after they closed the bars. Wow. Uh, He he came a long way after that, you know. But uh, uh, one of my bands was Thunderbird. And we used that name because it was the name of a hotel or really a motel that we stayed in in Waco when we played uh, at the Club Abraxas. And it was run by the Mexican mob, you know. And you pull into town, they give you a paper sack full of drugs. Here's your hotel. Don't worry about it. It's paid for. We'll see you tonight. And so, but we we changed our name uh, and the Thunderbirds took our name and called themselves the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Wow. So, <laughs> It just it's just a weirdness, you know, and it we thought nothing of it, you know, it was just like, you know, and uh, I was in a band called Roscoe, uh, which was originally Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack was a really hugely successful band, and they should have made it and didn't. And a couple of the members ended up uh, in, in our band, me and my guitar player's band. And so we called it uh, uh, Cracker Jack, and then we changed the name to Roscoe because a couple of the former members of Cracker Jack wanted to use that name over and they had first dibs so we changed our name to Roscoe but uh, yeah I uh, uh, we were in the group of bands that were supposed to kind of make it you know so to speak Uh, uh, before I moved to Austin I was in a band we opened for The Who and uh, (laughs) when I was with uh, Cracker Jack and Roscoe we opened for The Cars Journey and Journey was like no was nobody at the time. They 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 just released their album, you know, the first one with you know Wheel in the Sky and all that. And uh, but uh, and we opened for Taj Mahal, and uh, and that was in Roscoe Cracker Jack. So I've been around the block a little bit, you know. Sounds like and, it. <laughs> uh, we were at we were playing at a club in Dallas. And we the the club owner came and said, hey, could you would you mind uh, letting another band? They're in from out of town. They just got a record deal. Uh, they're trying to get some exposure. Could so could you let them do a set? Uh, I said, hey, oh sure, sure, whatever. It was Bruce Springsteen in the East Street Band. <laughs> they wow. they came to Gertie's nightclub in Dallas, Texas. This would have been in the early seventies, and they did a set. First time I'd ever seen a, you know, in one of my bands, Thunderbird, we had a black lead singer. And uh, you didn't see that many mixed bands. And there was Clarence Clemens, the sax player. And he just blew us away. I mean, the whole band was just like, holy crap, we felt like inadequate. We were trying to find a way to go out the back door so no one would see us because these guys were just scorching hot, you know. Uh, it was crazy. So uh, you just see a lot of stuff like that. You know, it, it, Dallas was like the place to be. It was hot or hotter than the East or West Coast with, as far as the music coming out of Dallas and Austin at that time. It was the hottest place to be. Uh, I, I would compare it, I'll put it on the same level as, you know, New York or L.A. It was, th- it was that much stuff going on in Dallas and Austin at that time. It was ZZ Top, you know, was down there, and uh, Point Blank, and they were all good buddies. We all hung out together. You know, they all got big record deals, and we didn't. We were just always the, the ugly stepchild, always the second place, you know. And I released a couple of 45s, you know. But, you know, I'm still working for a living, so 
that tells you <laughs> tells you how you know you know the the gods weren't looking at us or they looked the other way you know. Carter, so. Carter, you should do it like another book, but not about Sasquatch. You should do it about music. Yeah, I've, I've I've got some tales, but you know it, it would only mean something to people that were really from Dallas or from Texas at the time. You know, it's one of those you had to be there kind of deals. Yeah, you know, uh, because it's a lot more. It's it's a lot cooler when I'm telling it to somebody that wasn't there. They go, God, that was awesome. You know, but. It, you know, twenty or thirty thousand people live those lives, and so they're familiar. But other than that, the rest of the country, Mother Blues, Gertie's, what what is that? What what is that? Is it a restaurant? No, it's a rock bar. You know, every group, every concert that came to town, Led Zeppelin, Thin Lizzy, uh, you name it, they came and sat in at one of the two clubs that we were always playing at. And we were, you know, and so you always saw these guys. They come in and say, "Hey, can we sit in?" So you know, uh, you know, uh, oh, the guitar player for Thin Lizzy, he died. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Uh, Phil Linet, you know, he died a long time ago. But you know, he came and said, "I've got a picture of me playing cowball, cowbell with Thin Lizzy while they were sitting in with the band." <laughs> I mean, it's just some, you know, just weird random stuff. You know, I'm sitting there, more cowbell. I'll show you. Here's some cowbell. <laughs> so I was playing cowbell. Yeah, so it's just it was just a weird time. It's what I, I, truly you had to be there because you know you know you're from Texas, you're in Texas, so you can relate to it. But people that weren't or aren't will go, well, that must have been pretty cool. But you know, you, it doesn't you don't doesn't set with you like it would if you were there back during those times. But I wouldn't trade it for nothing. I've done some I've done some weird stuff. I'm very lucky. I've had two or three lifetimes and then in between my bands a band would break up. I was in between bands. I worked for Shoko Lighting, so I was a lighting tech. So I like I said I went out on the road with uh, Grand Funk Railroad, Grand uh, Funk James Railroad. Taylor, uh, Shaka Khan, Three Dog Night, uh, Bad Company for about uh, two months. Uh, and that was about it because I was playing when well, I didn't have a band we broke up for whatever reason I'd go out on the road for six months make money you know and so and I had a really good friend who's still with me and he he uh, uh, he's he's still he's on the road with the Stones he's their uh, he's their tour manager right now wow so it's, it's just it's a crazy crazy life most people don't believe it or can't can't grasp it but it you know you had to be there <laughs> it's funny how you mentioned the the cow or cowbell. Like I'm, a, I'm assuming was it Nazareth that did? Uh, they were like the first band to do like introduce. Were not introduced, but like use a cowbell in a rock song. I could be. Wrong. I don't know if it was Nazareth or it was uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Feel the feel the Reaper. Mm, they were one that's of the right, first that's ones. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. I knew it was one more cowbell. Song. Yeah, more cowbell. Yeah, more exactly. cowbell. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, uh, Vanilla Fudge had done it. Uh, Blue Chair had done it uh, a while back. Uh, but Vanilla Fudge, uh, Blue Chair, or Vanilla Fudge was the three-piece, so he really had uh, trouble doing a cowboy with the three-piece, but I think it was on uh, a couple of album cuts. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I've, I've been blessed. I've had a crazy, you know, then uh, I got into Sasquatch and, you know, the Paranormal, UFO, MUFON, and uh, I've... I've been tapped on the shoulder many times for many different reasons. It's just uh, bizarre. I quit questioning it a long time ago because there's something going on, uh, and I'm supposed to be a part of it. I guess you know. Carter, that's very outstanding. I mean, as I mean, very rarely do we ever talk to you like somebody from the BFR and somebody that knew uh, Steve Ravon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, 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 oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's local. Like you know, you're you're local, and you still. Um, I mean you. You talk about it like it was like it's still your home, and uh, I got. I also got to ask before I forget: uh, Do you still own a drum set, and do you still play? I still have a drum set. Uh, I play for therapy uh, okay. more than because you know I had some pretty good success, and we were just inches away from a couple of record deals a couple of times. It just didn't happen. You know, there was a lot of good talent out there. Just because you didn't get a record deal doesn't mean you're any good, not any good. It just means there's somebody that struck a chord 
better than you did. It's just the way it is. So, but I, I, I don't want to go back and try to recreate what they call, like Springsteen says, your glory days, you know. Mm. I don't want to be the old fart sitting in a garage. Well, let's try that one more time there for... I go change my diapers and then go back to the nursing home. You know, I, I, I don't want to go back because you can't go back. And, you know, at my, my age and stage of my life, I don't want to go on the road and do that again. And I probably could. I just, I've been there and done it. I was a comic for five years. I did st- uh, I did improv and sketch comedy. Uh, we were <laughs> we were supposed to audition for whose line is it anyway? Oh my god! And, and my one of my partners died. He had a brain tumor and he died. Oh, we were one of the few improv groups. It was me and two other guys out on a limb, and it was not named after the Shirley uh, MacLaine book. It was just that we just picked that name because. It's improv. You're going out on a limb and doing. Sh- you have no. You have no material. You just go. You know, wow. You've seen whose line? Yes. Who am I? What am I doing? What's my name? Thanks. Here I go. And that's your sketch. And you just you wing it. So, uh, I did that for a good number of years. And I, I finally said, well, you know, when he passed away, uh, we couldn't. Uh, me and my remaining partner could not agree. I wanted to get a woman in the group. Because one of us was always playing a woman and grabbing a, a wig out of a prop box. Well, I want to get a reef, real woman in there, so we didn't have to do that. And he right. he just disagreed, so we we split up and you know, we did a few gigs after. Anyway, Carter, wow, that's that's super amazing. Uh, we're we're right at an hour, so um, okay. I wanted to ask you uh, if you wanted to take this opportunity to plug whatever, like social media, your books. How does how does someone find you or reach out to you or find your books uh my books uh now my book just came out on beyond the fray publishing uh so you can get and that's a black and white book uh you can get that at amazon a kindle or uh, a regular black and white uh book just regular you know uh, but my book it's the same book, but it's all color. It's all color inside. The photos are color. They're a nice, shiny, glossy page. Uh, <clears throat> I autograph all the books when I send them out. Uh, you can go to my website, which is www.relichominid.com. And uh, the books are 22 bucks each, uh, plus a little shipping. I autograph them. And I'll personalize them however you want if you want to do that. Yeah, but you know, so you know, my deal with Beyond the Free is they sell the black and white versions because they're cheaper. They're fifteen bucks, fourteen ninety nine. If you want to save money, which I totally understand, uh, but you know, I'm a purist and I really like the color when you're showing forest and vibrant things. I think it should be in color, you know, not black and white. But you know, I realize there's two price points. So, but www.relichominid.com, and uh, or you can get the new book. It just came out three days ago, actually, this week. Uh, yeah, um, at Amazon.com, they got the Kindle version, uh, books on tape, and uh, black and white paperbacks, both books. So you can get them there. So when whenever we post this podcast, I'm going to put all your links on it so everybody can can get to it and uh, reach you and. Yeah. Um, so, um, man, thank you for being on. I really, really enjoyed this. This is like one of the, probably the most the most fun, and I've actually had on a podcast interviewing somebody. And I hate to say, well, I appreciate that. that. Yeah. No. Well, I, I tell you, we can we can get into some specific stories next time. Okay. You know, some of these specific chapters that are really just mind boggling. You know, and uh, I could just tell you one, and we'd spend the whole night on it because okay. that incredible so it's just it's up to you guys if you're, you i'd know, love to have you back on i'd yes. love to have you back on yes. we really enjoyed it uh thank you for being on and uh steven you got anything closing uh whenever we uh do buy the books uh, i kind of want to get like a personal uh photograph of you uh playing drums to come with the book <laughs> okay uh, yeah no <clears throat> I, I i do uh well my my granddaughter uh she is uh autistic and so she's five, but she loves the drums. And so mm-hmm. every time she comes over to the house, I have to take her down. She, she says, basement? 
she she knows and, and she heads straight for the basement because she wants to go down there and she plays the drums along with me that's awesome she just loves it so uh you know that brings so much joy to me right there it's just so cool but you know because the vibrations move her because you know, the, right. you know there's you know uh, you know uh, the sensory things that aren't working for her but the vibration of the music just tears her up she loves it so that's awesome yeah, it's great a lot of fun for me but yeah uh yeah i'd love to come back anytime guys just you know just let me know we can talk about you know uh, a lot of Sasquatch stuff. I got a few UFO things here and there, but okay. you know, uh, the Sasquatch is my my bread and butter, and that's probably you know more interesting than everything else. Well, thank you for, again. Thank you for being on. We really enjoyed it, and uh, we're gonna say good night here. All right, guys. We'll chat. All righty. Thank you. You bet, guys. See you.